Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. Welcome everyone to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host Jordan Ron on ESPN, ESPN.com. Giants reporter. And right now we're about two weeks out from the NFL draft. An NFL draft that is so unique and will be so interesting. Forget the fact that the Giants have the fourth pick, which is obviously a premium pick, right? You're picking from the top level of players. But the intrigue to this is going to be amazing. Do they trade down, right? That's the move. I think they want to trade down. My gut from talking to people says that would be the prudent move here. We could still get that offensive lineman. We can add picks Fill in the gaps because we were missing. Right now they pick the beginning of the second round and don't pick again until their supplemental pick at the third round. So it's basically, what, pick 36 and 96-ish? So you're talking, I don't know if it's 96 exactly off the top of my head, but you're talking a 60-pick gap there where the Giants have nothing. So you move back, you add a pick in that gap, you still get an offensive lineman in the top 10, and now you add another pick. But this draft is going to be, because of where we are as society, completely virtual. It's essentially you and your friends having a fantasy draft online. Obviously to a much greater degree. Because when you're talking about the Giants, and this will be the interesting part with the Giants. Are they going to be still be flexible to be able to make these moves on the spot, spontaneously, and be flexible enough to do that? Dave Gettleman, not exactly his specialty in the first place. And now we have these limitations where communication is not going to be that easy because we're not talking about just Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman, right? The head coach and, and the general manager of the Giants. There's a lot of people with their hands in on the decisions of the Giants. We've talked about this before. Chris Pettit is a big figure in the draft. He's their director of college scouting. I believe that's his exact title. Something along those lines. You have Chris Mara, the president of player evaluation, ownership. John Mara, he usually serves as the arbiter, you know, to these discussions, right? You have um, Tim McDonald, who's a big figure in the Giants organization as well, who has a role in pro, pro and college personnel. So all these people, now that doesn't even include the coaches, when you want to include the coaches, the coordinators, I mean, putting everybody together and having those conversations, because when they're all sitting in one room, they're having constant conversations, okay? Ongoing conversations. Now, you what, they have to do that in private chat rooms, on Zoom, Skype, whatever they come up with, the technology department? So this draft is going to be completely unique and entertaining, no doubt. The number four overall pick for the Giants with some flexibility, right? Isaiah Simmons, definite possibility. Offensive lineman, also definite possibility. Who is their top offensive lineman? That's the question, right? We don't, nobody knows for sure who that guy is. Now, we can make assumptions based on the information that we know. And the information that we know right now is the Giants are talking to prospects. Every team is talking to prospects via FaceTime and uh, online because everyone's at home. Stay at home order in just about most of this country. So the Giants are talking to the offensive tackle prospects. That we know, okay? The top guys, they have something set up with Tristan Wirfs. They have something set up with Mekhi Becton. They have something set up with Andrew Thomas, okay? So we know they are interested in that top offensive tackle group. 
whether it's at four, whether it's at six, whether it's at seven, whether it's nine, if they happen to trade back to any of those spots, we don't know. But what we do know is they're interested in these guys. Jeter Wills, the Alabama tackle, also include him in that mix. Those are the top four offensive tackles, the consensus. I mean, you ask around, those guys, all four of those guys, going to get drafted in the top 15 picks. I just made up that number 15, but they have a chance to be drafted in the top 11, all four of them. Top 12. But by the middle of the first round, those guys will not be on the board, okay? Now, my gut at this point tells me Tristan Wirfs is one of the guys near the top of the board for the Giants. There's a lot to like there. Killed it at the Combine. Clean, young, work ethic, good tape. Now, there's some people in the NFL who think he, he's, a, he's a guard and he's an all-pro guard, but the Giants are drafting him. If they draft him, it's likely it's going to be to play tackle. And actually, you know what? He's going to get drafted to play tackle. There's so many teams that need a tackle in this league, he's going to get drafted to play tackle. Mekhi Becton, he's the guy who has the super upside. You want to dream of that Hall of Fame offensive lineman that he's there in this class? You start with Becton. Because he showed things the way he was able to reach block and finish this past year at Louisville. The progression that he made in the past two years, right? Two years ago, didn't have a great year at Louisville. Got a new coach, right? Got himself into shape and killed it. And now going to be a top 10 pick. Absolute monster. Has that upside, that Hall of Fame upside. Now there's a little more risk with him because... He wasn't in shape coming into this year, the shape that he is now at least, right? So what happens when you pay him? What happens when he gets drafted this high? Is he going to continue to work at that same level? These are always risks you take. Now, the people I talk to, they don't think that's going to be a problem, but that's why he's a little riskier, right? A comment that somebody gave me about him is, could be really special. Does things that nobody else in this class does. And that's what gets you excited about Makai Becton. True left tackle, monstrous size, 350-pound range upside through the roof andrew thomas another guy to keep an eye on steady dependable safe you know 315 pounds but fundamentally sound probably the guy that you could say all right he's the most sure hand thing out of these guys and that's a good thing and then Jedrick wills from alabama the thing that interests me about him is how much does that connection to alabama and the Joe Judge connection to Alabama play into Jedrick Wills. If Nick Saban comes to Joe Judge and says, I'm telling you, you should draft this guy. He's a stud. Think about it. If the guy you mentored under, who you trust implicitly, comes and tells you, pounds the, pay, the table, draft this guy. He's a stud. All pro. That's going to be hard for Joe Judge to get out of his head and not instantly put more weight. Okay, we should really get this guy, Wills. We need this guy. The ultimate stamp of approval. Just like how Joe Judge got the Giants job in part because he got the ultimate stamp of approval from Bill Belichick, right? You got to be honest. If Bill Belichick, when John Mara called, said, yeah, he's solid. You think he'd be the Giants head coach? Or no, Bill Belichick said, this is the guy, I'm telling you. Yes, I, I knew from almost right away. I can give him anything. Give him any responsibility, and I didn't have to look over his shoulder. That held a lot of weight. John Mara said as much. So the Giants are looking at these offensive linemen. We know that. Isaiah Simmons, linebacker Clemson, another one. He's in that mix. He is that defensive playmaker that is in the mix. If they pick at four, Isaiah Simmons is on the table. Just does so many things well. Pass rushes even. Even though he he's probably going to be a linebacker, a I mean, how badly did the Giants need that speedy cover linebacker, that guy that can run sideline to sideline, that can get into the backfield, pressure the quarterback from that position? I mean, when's the last time we saw Giants linebackers consistently, from the inside at least, consistently pressure? 
I mean, this is what Isaiah Simmons could bring to the table. I'm, I'm, I'm not talking as a general, natural, outside edge rusher linebacker. So this is what Isaiah Simmons could bring to this defense. And God knows the Giants need defensive playmakers. Now, if I had to make a list right now, subject to change of who the Giants pick would be at number four, would be, in no specific order, Isaiah Simmons, Tristan Wirfs, Makai Becton. I'll just leave it at three. We'll just leave it at three for now. Wills and Thomas, I think, are on the outside lurking in. Those, to me, are the realistic options. Now, what else are the Giants doing right now in these phone calls and these FaceTimes they're making? They're definitely looking at the center position. That I know. They have spoken to a lot of these top centers. Cesar Ruiz from Michigan, um, Matt Hennessy from Temple. These are the guys in that group of top centers. Biatsik from Wisconsin, uh, Ismail from uh, Keith Ismail. I can't remember his first name. Keith Ismail from San Diego State. Lloyd Cushenberry from LSU. These are the guys in that top center mix. The Giants are, they've had that conversation or will have that conversation with Ruiz. They will have that conversation with, or they did have that conversation with Hennessy, right? Ismail, Biatsik, Cushenberry. Those are guys that they're going to look into. And we know they need a center. They need to improve that offensive line. That was Dave Gettleman's goal from day one, right? Improve that offensive line. Now, what I found interesting was when I talked to people and I find out, you know, there was all these conversations and these FaceTimes. For the offensive linemen in general, it's Gettleman and Judge, right? Jason Garrett and Mark Columba, the offensive line coach. So Garrett's the offensive coordinator. The offensive coordinator, the position coach, the head coach, and the general manager. That's who we know have, have been on some of these calls. Now, it varies by position, obviously. If it's a defensive player, it's probably going to be that defensive position player's coach and the defensive coordinator, which is Patrick Graham. So let's say it's, it'll be interesting to see if it's Isaiah Simmons. Do they do, uh, you know, the defensive backs coach or do they do the linebackers coach if he's one of the guys that has one of these interviews with the Giants? But defensive playmaker still fits on the list regardless of where it is. So we know the Giants have a heavy concentration right now on talking to offensive linemen, tackles, and centers. Two huge needs on this team because even if you think Cameron Fleming is good enough to be your starting right tackle this week, this year, and you have Nate Solder, okay, at left tackle, where is this team going to be in a year or two? Cameron Fleming's a free agent. Nate Solder turns 32 next week. So who's protecting Daniel Jones in the few, you know, past his second season in the NFL, past his third season? They need an offensive tackle badly. At center, you're talking about their starting center from last year, John Jalapio, tore his Achilles in week 17. He's a free agent now, so he's out there. The Giants didn't replace him. Right now they have Spencer Pulley, who started on and off for them kind of the past two years. Probably good enough where you'd be okay with him starting, but you don't want, you know, starting a few games here or there, but you don't really want him as your full-time starter. So finding someone in the draft in the first, you know, three rounds, probably pretty important right now for this Giants team. I think Hennessy is the guy that's on their radar. Now Ruiz be a little tricky because when I talk to people around the league, I'm talking about the Michigan center, uh, Caesar, Caesar Ruiz is his name. You hear that he's probably going to go in the first round. So in order for the Giants to get him, they would have to trade up into the first round. Now they have the 32nd, 30, 36th overall pick, the fourth pick of the second round. They would have to move maybe back in. Now if he fell to them, I think that would be a strong possibility, but I'm not so sure if he makes it. So the next group is probably Hennessy, Cushenberry, maybe Ismail is like second, third rounder. Beatis, you hear people up and down on. I'm not so sure about him. And I know some people, the whiskey's the Wisconsin center, like him. Doesn't have a great body. So I'm not sure. I think, you know, Twitter draft media or Twitter draft people like Beatis maybe better than what I hear from the NFL side at this point. But we'll see. 
We'll see. So uh, Ismael and Hennessy are two guys I could definitely see for the Giants that I would keep my ears open for. Now, we don't know how the draft will pan out. If they don't take an offensive tackle in round one, then they might have to take one. They might try and take one in the second round, depending on who's still there, and push center off a little bit. So these are the things the Giants have to think about. They have a lot of options, that's for sure. You know why? Because there's a lot of holes on this roster. So it pretty much makes sense to get, look at any position should be on the table, basically. Except for running back, they have Saquon. Quarterback, they're invested in Daniel Jones. Now, I'm not saying they should draft a wide receiver at number four. That's probably a little high, especially with so many wide receivers in this draft. But it's not out of the question to say, hey, they need, they might need another wide receiver down the line later in this draft. Golden Tate's going to be 31 or whatever. Sterling Shepard has a history of concussions. Like, where is this group in a year or two down the line? Who knows? You hope Darius Slayton continues to grow and builds off that rookie year, but you probably need a little bit more to be certain that you have uh, a building block piece there. So that's on the board. Tight end, absolutely on the board. Evan Ingram's about to enter the last year of his deal with a 50 potential 50-year option hanging over the Giants' head, right? That, that's a decision they're going to have to make, but could always be more dynamic at tight end, add more dynamic pieces, especially if you don't view Evan Ingram as a piece that gets injured this year. Is it gonna, you gonna, it's gonna be hard to look at Evan Ingram if he gets injured again this year as a long-term piece on this, on this roster. Offensive tackle, center, all on board. All on the board. Edge rusher, definitely. Speedy linebacker, cover linebacker, absolutely. Safety, yes. Cornerback, sure. A ton of un- unknowns with the Giants at cornerback still, right? Who do, who do we know? They have James Bradbury and a bunch of guys you hope are good, or at least semi-good. We don't know if any of them are going to be any good. I'm talking about the young guys and the Bakers who struggled his rookie year. Ballantyne, who struggled his rookie year. Sam Beal, who's barely, who played half a season in two, his first two professional years. So, a lot of unknowns there. Defensive line, okay. Maybe the Giants shouldn't draft defensive line at this point. They're playing a the 3-4. <laughs> they kind of have a lot of bodies there. Bunch of guys that can play. Some pretty good players. Dexter Lawrence. Uh, Leonard Williams, who regardless of what you have to say about him, still a quality player in this league. So hold off on defensive line, hold off on quarterback, hold off on running back. But anything else, it's on the board. That's where the Giants are in this NFL draft. Now let's get to our expert now. Talk a little more draft. On to the next one. All right, let's bring on John Middlecoff, former scout for the Philadelphia Eagles, podcaster extraordinaire. Nobody peddles CBD, uh, gambling, like my right here, and he's still completely in tune with the NFL. Talks to more people than way more people than me, I'm sure, and uh, really is on top of the draft when it comes down to it. Especially because when you have those roots, uh, I assume they still. You know, this is the time of the year that you you go to them most. Is is that fair to say, John? Yeah, I mean, I, I stay pretty steady during the season. Uh, whenever I see guys, you know, I, I don't have a life in the fall. I watch a lot of college football. And just like any, you know, scout would do, you just see guys that pop and you text around. So you kind of have, by the time the combine hits, I got a pretty good knowledge, give or take. I mean, I obviously a lot these last couple months of setting boards, but you know, where guys kind of fall in the pecking order in probably like a 10 to 15 range, you know, past the top 10 guys. Right. So you just. I, I keep a pretty good working relationship during the fall, and it makes it a little easier because right now, I mean, this is crazy. These guys are, you know, the, the decision makers uh, are just overwhelmed trying to figure everything out and get ready. My, my buddies that are, you know, just area scouts or, you know, even college directors are kind of like me and you, you know, just at home, 
just trying to get everything ready and, and stay in touch. But it's it's kind of I mean, it's surreal for America right now, let alone the NFL. But it's it's this is usually a time these last couple of weeks, you know, the scout, the staffs get together, setting the board. And it's just you got some time to play with, right? Two or three weeks. And you just kind of ease into the draft, but that's not really the case right now. So it would seem to me that with the setup we're going to have now, right, we're going to have Dave Gettleman in his basement on Zoom with the entire Giants staff, right, his whole scouting staff, uh, with ownership as part of it, everybody, right, from their own house. And, you know, they they have a board, but isn't it going to be more important, those area scout kind of guys, where you're going to be leaning on them because you, you you didn't have that opportunity to all sit down and go over, and you can't have those constant conversations. So as the draft goes on, it seems to me like the, the GMs, the president, you know, the guys at the top of the, running the draft are going to be relying on those area scouts, the guys who probably know each player better to find out, okay, is it worth our while to go with this guy in this spot? Am I, am I right about that? I think once you get – if you use the Giants as an example, you know, they've probably had a pretty good idea, right, the number four pick – Two or three guys since the combine, probably even since the end of the football season. I think every guy after, you know, the second round, because when you, once you get past like pick 15, the, the, the dominoes fall in all different ways. We see it every year. Guys go all over the place. Millions of possibilities, really. Yeah. So you're really going to have to depend once you get the second, third, fourth round. What should we do? Who should we take? What is the real, you know, story on this guy? And that, and for a guy like Gettleman, who I imagine didn't go into all these schools, you're going to have to rely on the people that did. And think about, like, I, did you see Kevin Colbert, the GM for the Steelers? I actually thought he had a pretty good idea, just extend the draft by three rounds, because typically you spend a lot of time, maybe a day or two, on your free agent board, because a lot of guys that don't make the cuts on the sixth, seventh guy, you know, sixth, seventh round guys. And that's where I think it's going to get really jumbled. And uh, th- that's where a guy like Gettleman is going to have to rely on the guys who have gone into these schools because you're not going to have the chance. I mean, I-, I know they will probably over this month talk about it on Zoom, but we're- we've all been Zooming. It's a little different than having a meeting with someone in person. Right, yeah. No no doubt about that. It's hectic. And, and, and here's the here's the other thing, Jordan. I just can't wait to see. Hold on, Dave Gettleman. You know how like you have you, to go into like the little chat rooms and have the side conversation with like the, the Northeast Scout or the, you know the Southeast Scout, and have to go and navigate multiple uh, group separate group chats. Uh, that I just we need a camera on him full time. We really, I I, I completely agree. <laughs> I you know the IT guys in the NFL are really going to earn their money. I, I know a lot of people are making fun. Gettleman's kind of the whipping boy right now. Like, okay, he's really going to figure out how to use this technology. In fairness to Gettleman, you, you, you and I know a lot of people in the NFL, assistant oh, yeah. coaches, scouts, a lot of people are going to struggle. It, it's not just him. You know, there are, there is a large majority. Think about like the team that you need your running back coach on the Zoom, uh, to ask about a guy. And he can't figure it out. It, it could be a, a you-know-what bleep show for sure for countless teams around the league. Well, you know, it'll make it fun. This is entertainment at the end of the day. Uh, so, And, we'll, you know, we'll see. It, it, the fact of who has the best staff might actually be important this year more than ever. For like, sure. The bottom, right? 
All right, so you said most teams by now, you think they go into the common, especially when you're drafting four, right? Because you can kind of narrow your, your yeah who you're going to pick. Two or three guys, right? John Middlecoff, you're picking at four. Who would be your two or three guys that you'd be locating as possibilities? Because let's, let's first start at the top. We're going to assume, I, I'll, I'll ask you, Chase Young have any chance to reach the Giants at four? I would say if we started at the top top, you'd say Joe Burrow for sure Burrow. gone. The Giants don't need a quarterback. quarterback. I would say Chase Young between pick two and three finds a way off the board because I, even if let's say the Washington Redskins trade back for one of these teams that want to you know give up a boatload to get a quarterback, the Lions are taking them. I I think the Lions they, they were the only the Dolphins had less sacks in in 2020 or in 2019. So yeah, he would no chance. Okay, so we're gonna take him off the board. That's yep. just gotta start there for a prep set. So basically, we're sitting there. Burrow's gone one. Chase Young is two or three. Who are your two or three guys? I would say the corner Okuda from Ohio State. But given that the Giants just signed a high-priced corner, given that whatever you think about them, I mean, that's investing a lot of resources into one individual. You would say the biggest need for the Giants the last couple of years, their offensive line has been terrible. There have been, in this draft, multiple offensive linemen. So whether you think it works or the big kid from Louisville that you know ran the 5-1-1-40, uh, is it Becton? Uh, and I think he would be in play. And then for me, just having been in that division, watched when I was there, they went Kiwanuka, JPP, they love long freaks. Now, granted, those guys were on the offensive line, but they have shown they they have something, and you know this well, a legitimate process when it comes since Parcells that they, they love the length. I mean, that's just part of their deal. So I, I would say that Isaiah Simmons, while he's not a defensive lineman, he is just a, an outlier freak. And I think that he would have to be in the conversation, especially when Joe Judge, coming from Belichick, they've used a lot of different players in various roles. The league has changed dramatically, right, where these hybrid guys, you need guys that can cover, you need guys that can play sideline to sideline. And then the other thing Simmons can do a little bit is just blitz and pass rush a little just because he's such an elite athlete. Oh, uh, I, I think he has to be in play. You want to hear this number? I think I have it written down. He had eight sacks, I believe, in 58 pass rush attempts. 11 sacks slash hits on those 58 pass rush attempts. To, I mean, to, the, the to, yeah, to, right there is that's to getting home is out of control. I mean, yeah, that's see, not normal. See, see, to me, it's pretty simple. It comes down with whoever your top tackle is and Simmons. That, that to me, is the argument for the Giants draft room or their Zoom room right now. And I, you know, I think there's two school of thoughts. You take the guy that has the best chance to be an all-time great player. That would probably be Simmons. Right. Now, the other school, the other school of thought is you just drafted a guy six overall to play quarterback, right. and for his best chance to succeed, you know, he's not that. Russell Wilson or Kyler Murray. You, you, you need to take a, you know, the guy that you think can be a Pro Bowl offensive tackle. You know. Yeah, for sure. You got to protect that investment, right? I mean, you because let's let's be honest. Uh, Nate Solders turns thirty-two years old next week. He hasn't played well. He's not a yeah. tackle for the future for the Giants. You don't have anybody on an offensive tackle right now that's going to be protecting Daniel Jones in two years. So, and a lot, of, and a lot of these tackles have played right tackle too. So if you want to start him at right tackle, move him to left tackle. A lot of these guys are versatile. So let's get into you know, this. Is the conversation you, you assume the Giants would be having, right? The Simmons conversation. He's almost like a positionless guy at this point, right? Like, I talk to people around the league. Some people consider him a linebacker. Some think he might be best as a safety. 
Some basically want to use him as like uh, the Patriots use Jamie Collins, almost as like a a defensive weapon type deal. Is that worth the investment to you as somebody who's done this for a living with a top five pick? The, The guy that I heard him compared to, now this guy was way more physical. But remember Cam Chancellor when he was in his prime for Seattle and he was like this hybrid linebacker, cover tight ends. He could just kind of do it all. This guy is a better athlete. James, and I heard that one. He's he's Derwin James, basically. Yeah, so if if you can get Derwin James, I I think you have to think about it. Now, here's the the thing that if you came to the conclusion of, listen, it's more important for us to get an offensive lineman, here's what you could do. There are going to be teams that really, really want Simmons. Maybe you could trade back three or four spots, still get a sweet offensive tackle, and accumulate another you know second round pick because oh. this is a team that let's face it is is not one player away. So th- they, they should be in the mindset of being pretty open minded. Now, isn't there a stat? Dave Gettleman has never traded, never traded a draft back. pick, never traded back. Yeah, never traded back. So that that would probably be the question mark but I, I, to me that would be on the table because i i think it would be pretty easy to come to the conclusion it's much more important to get a tenure starter at offensive tackle with well, daniel jones and saquon so giants in the worst way need a defensive weapon right they need a defensive playmaker i mean right they need a, they need some sort of defensive playmaker they really don't have one real defensive playmaker on their roster right maybe you could say bradbury is now but we're, we're talking about Front seven. No, that, well, that that's that's where if I trade back, let's say I go from four to seven or eight or something, and someone wants to come up and get Simmons, if I get that extra second round pick, then I can get my starting tackle, and then I can get multiple starters on defense in the second round. Now I don't get a Chase Young or a Simmons, but all of a sudden this off season I got a starting corner, I got a starting linebacker. And, you know, a starting another defensive tackle to go with the guy from last year or, an, or a pass rusher. Right. I, I kind of I, I've just loaded the 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 chamber a little bit because right now it's empty and I can go instead of, you know, taking a shot on Simmons where if it doesn't work, I'm kind of double screwed. Right. I didn't get an offensive lineman. And then Simmons, you know, never lives up to the hype or the coaching staff can't quite use him correctly because you got a new staff and there's just going to be a learning process or I can get the tackle and then multiple starters or guys that are going to play on game day. I think that there's always you know multiple ways to look at it, and that's the way I, I would imagine Gettleman is it fair to say tends to be a little more conservative with this stuff. So maybe he would be more likely to just be all in on the linemen and, and try to get more just solid starting players like he did last year, drafting the deep nose tackle and trading for Jabril Peppers to try to get more players on his roster. This is is this something that you think are the conversations that go on in a draft room these days would would they say something like this we had a top six pick the last three years right we took a running back a quarterback and let's say they take simmons a a linebacker slash safety do they does that conversation happen look we here's our building block our most important players right the most important positions quarterback which they got offensive tackle uh edge rusher like if you line up cornerback they would really only be getting one of those three premium positions with three top six picks is that a is that a conversation you think that would go on in today's front office yeah and i also think that gettleman's all in on the quarterback so i think he's always going to lean making him look the best well that's where yeah right that's that's their i get it fine that's their premium position but the other two guys let's be honest running back 
we've had that conversation many times over, right? And linebacker slash safety are those really the, your premium positions? No. So would that would that worry you? Yeah, but if if I'm getting all pro level players, I, I, I'm feeling pretty good about it. And the other thing I would say this about Saquon, kind of like Christian McCaffrey, is that. Yeah, I know he he got banged up last year and only had 52 catches, but the year before he had 91 catches. So when you get some of these guys like Saquon Barkley, who can be an elite Hall of Famer, great player in, in the in the modern day game, his he should if he's healthy, wouldn't you say minimum 80 plus catches a year? So he, he's bringing a lot to the table. Right? Yeah, they got to use him better. They didn't the, really use him. As the, 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 that that's where to me. You draft the tackle, then all of a sudden you have a blue chip. I don't, I don't want to say that about the quarterback yet, but you have a guy that you drafted high. You want to become a great player. You got a blue chip running back and hopefully a blue chip tackle, and you, you're ready to roll, right? Your defense isn't great, but yeah, it's just I, I think right now I tend to lean loading the war chest on offense, given the way the rules are and, and figuring out the defense later. I mean, that's why you pay these defensive coaches millions of dollars. Coach them up. Figure it out. I, Again, because you, you don't you don't need to have the eighty five Bears defense in two thousand twenty. No, that's not possible. But I go back and forth because like they need a defensive playmaker in the worst way. But at the same time, you want to solidify that offense and protect your investment in Daniel Jones. It'll make Saquon better. So that's kind of I would think part of the argument that goes back and forth with these guys. Now, a big part of the, this draft is Tua, right? Yeah, Tua. If he didn't get hurt, would be a top two pick. Three pick, top three pick. Who knows? Chase Young might still that side in there, right? But now there's a lot of risk with Tua. He's coming off a serious injury in a year where teams can't bring guys in to check him out medically. If he was, you know, team trading into the three or four spot, or team moving up to get him would, would be 100 percent on board. Now, how much? What do you what do you, what do you think teams are thinking about the risk on Tua? Yeah, I mean, I think there's legitimate risk there because it's not necessarily is he healthy now. It's can he stay healthy long term. He's not a great athlete. He's just smaller, and he's proven to get banged up in college in a in a conference that's a lot like the NFL, right? A bunch of elite defensive linemen. You're getting pressured a lot, and he took some hits, and he just didn't get back up. I mean, he hurt his ankle, and he hurt his hip. Right. So I, it does kind of feel like the Dolphins are not all in on the guy, but this is also the time – you know this better than anyone about the smoke screens. It's hard to know what to believe. But it it is kind of believable to think that teams are kind of scared of this guy, right? Yeah. Uh, Especially if you can't bring him in for that. You look by your own eyes of how, you know, oh, wait, how is this guy physically? How's it going to look going forward, moving out, you know, projecting him down the line? Because that's a huge investment. Huge. I, I'm sure I, I'm sure you saw the, the comments that Mark Ross made to Peter King. Uh, maybe within the last month about how he thought he was overrated. And when he gets hit, especially pressure up the middle, he's terrible. Now you could argue most quarterbacks are. Right. But the one thing I've talked to, I talked to a scout a couple days ago, and he's like, it's really hard. He throws a great deep ball, right? A beautiful deep ball. He's right. also throwing to four guys that when the dust settles are all going to go, two guys this year, top 15. Next year, both those guys are going to go top 20. So, I mean, you're talking about one of the greatest talent collections in college, like given where they're going to get drafted in like the history of the sport. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's pretty unreal that they're beelining it down the sideline and he's just throwing deep bombs and hitting them in stride. And I think that makes like the Giants right now would trade all their receivers for all four of those guys and just take their chances, right? They wouldn't even hesitate. Yeah, but no, that's. For the future, definitely. I mean, yeah, yeah. For the next, yeah, for the next five, ten years or whatever. So I, I think that 
always makes it's not like a it's not a negative because he's just playing with who he's playing with, but it's like it doesn't get any better than this. And then he's proven he can't stay healthy with getting hit by defensive linemen that are going to play in the league. It, it wouldn't totally shock me if there was a little fall, right? If he just made it past some of these top teams, because if you're the Dolphins and you you traded your two best players, your left tackle and Minka. And now what kind of sucks for them is they won some meaningless games down the stretch. Now they pick at five, so they don't get a chance to get Joe Burrow. They've lost their two best players, and the the two picks they got for those players are not like top 15 picks. One's 18, the other's 26. And what if they don't like but you know Herbert or Tua? Do they just punt and do it next year and just get three really good players? I I don't know. They're they're in a weird situation. Because you all you – I mean, I heard for a year how high the Dolphins were on Tua. But now, like you said, you hear that that risk is a lot. And, and when I talk to people, I don't know what you tell me, you, you experience the same thing. I'm not talking to too many people that are willing to risk their NFL you know, life and their job. Say, I would definitely invest in that guy with top three pick, do anything in my power to get that guy at this point. I mean, it, it, that's how big the risk is, I think. I, I, I think a huge part of 2020 playing quarterback the day and age of drafting Philip Rivers and Eli Manning, guys that can't move at all really high, are over. And Tua doesn't move that well. Like the one thing with Burrow and Herbert, they move around. Look at Daniel Jones. He moves around. Look at Wentz. Look at Dak. I, I'm not talking – you don't need to be Michael Vick. Right. But you got to be able to move behind the line of scrimmage. All the good young quarterbacks can, right? Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Jimmy Garoppolo, Russell, Rodgers. All, all the guys, I would say, you know – in their mid thirties and under, for the most part, Jared Goff is kind of an outlier. He's just kind of this, this true pocket quarterback, can't move at all. But Kyler Murray, these guys can really kind of just keep plays alive behind the line of scrimmage because the amount of offensive linemen that have come into the league the last five six years has not been at the same pace of the sweet defensive linemen. So you're kind of running for your life, and the good quarterbacks can. And I just wonder if you look at Tua, you go. Every time he tries to run away, he gets caught so fast because he's a below-average athlete. Where you look at Tua and even Herbert, that even if you're like, well, he's a little robotic, at least he's got the raw tools to work with, right? You know, he's like the the Wentz, Josh Allen, just kind of a raw product to to just kind of mold. And we know coaches; they're just they're a little arrogant. They think they can fix guys. So you you know, you're starting to read some of these draft guys saying, listen, it's not crazy to think Herbert ends up going ahead of Tua just because. He's got more tools. Now, I'm not saying that's always works because we've seen countless times it blows up in people's faces, but I think it's easy to justify that when, when given the injury history with this player. So can you see some, uh, someone falling in love with Herbert trading up? For sure. I mean, I could see the Chargers or the Dolphins just either sitting there and taking him or, you know, moving up a couple spots to get him. Just because at the end of the day, he's 6'4 plus, he can move, he's got a huge arm. He's young, he's high character, he's smart. He just got a lot to work with. And I, I think at the end of the day, you just lean a lot to work with when the other option has question marks. And this is where this is where I get back to the Dolphins. You tank all year long. You, you tank to get the number one pick. And I, I guess during the middle of the season before Tua got hurt, it looked like there were multiple elite prospects. And once Tua gets hurt, he's no longer on Burrow's level. And then you kind of start nitpicking him. You're like, why did he get hurt? Well, he can't get away from anybody. Look at Burrow. I mean, he, he gets away from guys. And it's not, I mean, look at the teams he's playing. He's playing the best of the best. And that, that to me would, when you're playing, you know, any team, if you're the Dolphins, like you're playing the Bills 
or you're playing the Jets, you're going to have some big-time defensive linemen coming after you. Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, you got to be able to move in today's game. So, speaking of that, do you like Jordan Love then? He's a guy He's a guy I do hear. I mean, I don't hear – not everybody loves him, right? But there are people who think he's going to be a stud that are really intrigued by him, that really do like him. I, I find people that are kind of all over the map on those two. Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of people that have a big-picture view with quarterbacks are going to like Jordan Love a lot. You know, you're talking about a guy 6'4", 225 pounds. Two years ago, when he had the coach that recruited him out of high school, he was 32 touchdowns, I think, six picks. This year was kind of a disaster, but new coaching staff. I think a lot of people are just going to write that off or whatever. Uh, you know, a team that can think like the Chiefs did a couple years ago, and I, everyone uses the Patrick Mahomes comp. I, I, the Patrick Mahomes comp, it's not even fair to Jordan Love, but yeah. to me, the way the Chiefs did it, they drafted a guy for the big picture. If you can do that with a player, that's why I think the name you kind of keep seeing is like, is John Gruden going to be willing to just, he's in no rush. You know, he's got multiple quarterbacks. Now he could always trade Carr and just make Mariota be his kind of a bridge quarterback. But there, there's just a lot to work with there. And at the end of the day, if you're in a division where you got to beat Patrick Mahomes, you need a high-end quarterback. Right. And that's, that was the thing. And, you know, McAdoo, was, that was his thinking at the time. Like, he wasn't sure Patrick Mahomes was going to be great. But he looked at it and said, look, in order to win in this league, you need a guy who's great at quarterback. And he has a potential to be either – he's going to be all, either off the charts or he's going to suck. But I want to take the uh, – he would have taken the risk on the guy that's off the charts because that's what you, that's kind of what you need at this point. And it turned out, obviously, he is off the charts, and he was right on that one. And, uh, you know, some who knows, Jordan Love, people could be all over the place. But the thing with Herbert and Tua, right, or even Jordan Love, if you love your quarterback and you're the Dolphins or Chargers and you're sitting there at five and six, you almost have to make that phone call, and tell me if I'm wrong here, to the Lions and the Giants to make sure that you don't miss on your guy, right? Is it really worth missing on your quarterback if you love one of those two guys? Yeah, especially if you're the to me the Dolphins and you have multiple picks, you don't have a choice. You just you you got to go up a couple spots and get the guy. Yeah, I I completely agree. I just to, to me, Tua and Herbert are they guys worth trading up to get? You know, I I just I don't know. I I would like to not have to move any assets to get a quarterback of for those guys. You know, if it was a draft where it was like guys that were just I felt stronger about, I'd be more willing to to just give picks up. It, it, to me, it's hard to give up multiple picks to move up for a guy that just dislocated his hip. I mean, that's right. I, I would imagine any quarterback coming off a major injury has no one's ever traded up to get uh, given in like the top five. Right. I mean, maybe like in the later rounds as a backup or whatever, but right. that, that would be pretty extreme. I, I know he's tweeting out videos and he looks good on social media, but given the Corona, no one can, you know, give him a physical. It's, the risk is even, what would you say, tenfold? It's really high. Yeah. I thought originally that the Lions and the Giants would kind of be in a perfect position to trade. I'm, I'm not so sure anymore that because the, the Tua situation with the and with the doctors and people not being able to see him personally and make that commitment at that spot, it just I have a, I have a harder time seeing that people are going to do that. Give up multiple picks, like you said, move up, draft this guy with such tremendous risk that I, I think both those teams are going to have to sit there and just sort of 
make their pick. Because if you're the Lions, right, and the, you would try desperately to trade with the Dolphins, right? Let's say if, if you're the Lions and you love Akuda, right, they need a, a cornerback desperately. Yeah. So you know the Giants just signed Bradbury like you explained before. There's a really good chance they draft four. They're not going to draft Okuda. You could still get him at five most likely. So you try or even six is a, still a strong possibility. So you try desperately if you're the Lions to move out of that three spot. Completely agree. But like you said, you know, remember, was it three years ago? It's trade seems crazy now. The the Niners. The Niners and Bears. The, the Bears traded up one spot. Well, people forget, like, remember there was a lot of buzz that the Browns were going to trade up. So they kind of got freaked. And they loved Trubisky and they went and got their guy. It doesn't feel like there's any of that buzz right now. Yeah. Or at least because of Corona. There's just not as many crazy draft stories. At least I feel like on the outside, you, you tell me if you agree, as normal. Just because everything's so spread out, you guys, it's just, it, it, you know, I think the general managers have less time to kind of BS and put out fake stories. Everyone's just trying to figure out their own stuff. I, I feel like there's less smoke this year than ever because everyone's working remotely. Do you do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, not every, these guys aren't traveling. You, you don't hear about them traveling. Yeah, and that pro days, talking to people. Yeah, pro day. When people go to pro days, they you know they, they chat. All these NFL people chat in the inform. That's how the they gossip too. By the way, like you've been in. Well, those, yeah, they're the, the to me they're the biggest gossipers yeah. of them all. <laughs> so. That's where a lot of the stuff I think goes. These guys all go to pro days together. The GMs, they go, they mingle, they mingle with all these other people. That gets the, the information started. And the fact that that's not there, I think kind of stopped that flow of information this year to a degree. So I, I agree with you. It's not to the, you don't hear a lot of that chatter that maybe you would hear in the past, but that's because everybody's stuck in their house and just trying to make do with what they have. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I'm sitting here. Trying in a closet, taping a podcast. I hear my my six month old banging on the crib in like basically behind this wall, and my daughter whining downstairs because she doesn't understand the Bill of Rights. You know that that's well. Well, when you when you go live on Sports Center about the Giants taking Isaiah Simmons, you know they they're gonna have your daughter might make a cameo on draft night. <laughs> Yeah, that, like the video of the guy I was, I think it was in Europe. With the, the, the yeah, guy. the politician and, or whatever. And the wife came in and was like pulling the baby back out of the room as, as, the, as the little kid was like walking around the room. <laughs> we, we, could, we could get some pretty funny draft videos with stuff like that, couldn't we, on the Thursday oh, night? Definitely. Some guy, somebody not realizing that their mic is on. Oh, yeah. To, to me, there, there, is, there is a chance for some funny ones and also some pretty uncomfortable ones. Oh, definitely. I saw I saw there was a prop bet I think for like somebody forgetting to put their mic on or something like that. I mean that's that's, that's, like that's a, a pretty that's, good one. That's yeah, a pretty that, good one. That's like a given. I I would say I would definitely put money down on the uh somebody will forget to put their mic on. I agree. And there I was also agree. there was also uh I think a uh, nine and a half people over or under in the room at somebody's draft like house or party. I'm definitely taking the over. I know it's happened but I would 100% take the over on that jordan i i think that the majority of these kids are going to have normal parties like I, I i i don't think i i, I think that I, my my number one prediction is the twitter shaming of some of these draft prospects with people the the south one is not taking corona that seriously and partly is because the way they're it's much more rural Everything spread out. Well, where do you think a lot of these first round players are from? The SEC. Like they're, they're, they're going to have normal looking parties 
Twitter and everyone's going to freak out, but it is, I, I do not expect player X drafted number seven overall to be by himself in his house. No chance. <laughs> I agree with you. It'll be, there'll be like full blown parties and everyone will be like, what the heck is going on here? It, it'll be that you're talking about uncomfortable. That will be uncomfortable for the rest of the country to watch. I agree. It's gonna, it's a, it's a weird situation. I mean, there's no, there's no way around it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, are we going to see any agents at any of these? Because I wouldn't be surprised to see that either. If you saw an agent or two like pop up in the background at some kid's house, like they drove to like one of their top clients' house or something to be at his draft draft night, just to make sure that like th- these are the crazy things I think that we're going to see at this point, which you, is not. Yeah, you got to support. You got to support the cash cow, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, the show is going on in the first place, right? One hundred percent. Uh, is Are there any players in the draft that maybe you've heard a lot of buzz on that, that most people don't know about or haven't heard about it that you're surprised have received as much buzz as you, you have? Yeah, I mean, the one guy that's not getting as much buzz right now that I, everyone likes that I know of is, pa- is Patrick Queen, the linebacker from LSU. Uh-huh. If he, it, you know, I, I at the combine, I thought people <laughs> thought that he, that he was going to go in like the top 20. It feels like he might be there in the late 20s, you know, maybe early second round. Yeah, well, I don't know about that. that. That speed usually plays. Those guys, those guys, the speed linebacker has been a more popular, more valuable position in recent years. Like, we've seen a lot of those speed linebackers. Even, like, uh, last year there was two of those speed linebackers, Bush and Devin Bush and Devin White. Both went, I think, top 10. I think Devin White was 10. I mean, Devin Bush was 10 to the Steelers. So you had those two guys in the top 10. Roquan in recent years was was a top 10 pick. Right, I believe he was even top five, somewhere around there, maybe eight, something like that. So the, these speed linebackers are incre- I think, are finally moving their way up the boards. You you, you agree with that? Yeah. The, the, to me, the speed linebackers, with how many Saquons and Christian McCaffrey's and Kamara's and what Kyle Shanahan's doing and Todd Gurley a couple years ago, the, these guys are such hybrid players. You need guys that can tackle, you know, the in the run game. But really, the run game is less physical than it ever has been because so many teams don't use the fullback, but also cover and play in space. So I, I think those players are actually, I wouldn't say they're premium positions yet, but they are not like just throwaway positions anymore. They, they are, it kind of feels like everyone's looking for their Roquan, you know, their Patrick Willis, their, you know, next Ray Lewis, just those hybrid kind of, when people forget when Ray Lewis came out, everyone thought he was too small. He got bigger as he got older, but Ray Lewis coming out of college now is like would have been ideal for 2020. Didn't he the get 20th or so, somewhere down there? Yeah, I thought he was like, yeah, w- w- he was picked, yeah, somewhere. First round, yeah. I, but, he, but I remember that like maybe at his pro day, I mean, he was barely over 220, maybe 222 is what he played. He was just smaller. And that's like, I don't think teams mind if you're in the 228, 232. Just because you got to be able to move, you got to be able to cover Saquon Barkley. Yeah, you like Kenneth Murray. Yo. Yeah, he's a, well, he's another guy, hybrid player. That I was talking with a scout that said, you know, a couple years ago, this guy's probably going in the second round, but nowadays, you know, he's going to go in the twenties. Right. Yeah. Right. You well. just you, you need you need team speed on defense now more than ever. It's just becoming the NBA is a lot like this, much smaller, much faster. Just the, the game just is kind of adapting given the rules. Yeah, and teams have to adapt too when, with their rosters. Uh, edge rusher. There's Chase Young, and then there's what? Uh, I think just the defensive tackles. You know, they, you know, Derek Brown, Kinlaw. So you got interior pressures. I, I don't know. 
you know, the kid, I don't know how to say his name, but Chase on from okay. LSU. You guy. Yeah, I, yeah, I talk to people that don't like him that much. So this I, is the Giants' problem. You realize this. This is their dilemma. They need edge rusher so bad, but there's one edge rusher in this draft, right? The one real edge rusher in this draft, and it's Chase Young. They can't get him. Yeah, to me, sign Clowney and take a defensive tackle in the second round. Uh, yeah, if you want, there's that Clowney market's been crazy. Uh, there hasn't been a lot the, the interest in there that. He expected that they expected. There's questions about his health. Uh, you really want to invest long term in his knee, right? And then if he wants to go back on a cheap deal, is he really going to go to the, new, the team like the Giants or the Browns who express interest for a minute? No, he's going to want to go back to the Seattle Seahawks, a team that's ready to compete. That he was already there, right? They, they want him back. So in order 100%. for the Giants, in order for the Giants to get that guy, they have to really pay for him. And would you, would you pay for him? No, but but if the market keeps dipping, dipping. If I can give him like a three-year, you know, and guarantee like $30, $40 million where these other teams are only giving him 10 you know, on the one-year deal, maybe you could just get it. You know, you could just get him at a discount. That, that to me, if you can get him at a discount, I, I'd be willing to do it. But it's got to be a discount. But if it's at the discount, he's going to end up back at the Seahawks. You'll see. I'm telling you. He's going to end up at the Seahawks if it's on that discount. So I, I don't I don't I don't see that being a solution for the Giants at this point. And and really, we mentioned before, this is a team that it's going to take them multiple years. They have a lot of holes, right? Like they they I, I don't know if I don't know if that's the move for them right now. With, yeah, and with, I'd, I'd say Joe Judge coming from Belichick would probably not love Clowney. <laughs> there you go. That's why we that's that's why I have you on for brilliant stuff like that right there. Like like it extraordinaire john middlecoff look him up uh give give your uh twitter handle your instagram handle what do you, what do you got uh, yeah add john middlecoff just g- give me a follow spell middlecoff for people we, we are not this is this is not the smartest group that follows me here, okay? j-o-h-n first name not like gruden j-o-h-n m-i-d-d-l-e-k-a-u-f-f there you go john middlecoff podcaster extraordinaire former nfl scout still extremely plugged in and knowledgeable on anything NFL, but especially the draft. Thanks a lot, John. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jordan. Have a good day. On to the next one. Now we're going to do a little uh, Jordan on a beat. This is the part of the show where I give you a little insight into what it's like to cover the Giants, to cover the Giants for the NFL, to be an NFL reporter in general. And what I'm going to do right now is really tell you what it's like because these are unprecedented times. Completely unprecedented, right? Because we're all at home. We're working from home. I mean, daily routine here in my house at this point is I'm trying to do work. I'm trying to do all my draft prep, talk to as many people as possible, scouts, coaches, uh, general managers, uh, executives, agents, even players, right? To as many people as possible, collect as much information as possible, background, stuff, some stuff that I use, some stuff that I can't use and i'm making phone calls and i have my daughter doing her third grade work in the office with me as well right trying to go through the curriculum she needs help every so often uh my wife is in there she's working from home and yet we still we also have a seven month old so he needs constant 24 hour supervision so there's a lot going on here and i was i was thinking about it the other day and this is everybody i'm not sitting here saying this is you know, living a hard life. We're blessed. We're all healthy. And really right now, that's all that's important with everybody. You're healthy and safe, right? If you're healthy and safe, you're in great shape. So we're in great shape here, but I'm trying to get you draft information also. And it's tough to get, to, to get done what I would like to get done, to make all the phone calls that I would like to make 
on a daily basis because there's so many things going on. Now, I'm still talking to all these people. You know, you're figuring out what is this guy's strengths? What is this guy's weaknesses? What is this? Where does this guy get drafted? And I always tell people, especially when it comes to the draft, look, I'm not, I'm not an expert on evaluating players. That's not my job, right? I'm, I don't make my living. Nobody pays me to evaluate all these players, but I talk to people who I trust that evaluate these players. And that's how I come with, come up with my opinion on these players, right? I'm taking all this information and putting it together. I have a notebook here that I was looking into before when I was talking about some of the offensive linemen. And I have, you know, a couple scouts and an executive here, three of them that basically broke down the offensive lineman for me. And I have different comments here on stuff that they said that kind of popped out. You know, like Andrew Thomas, intelligent, you know, safest bet, uh, fundamentally sound, you know, Tristan Wirfs, uh, work ethic, 21 years old, uh, all pro guard, like these are, and, and like for every guy, I just have a whole thing. Each guy, all these little snippets of what people I trust who do the evaluations tell me. So that's why when I tell people, you know, especially like they ask me a month or two out of the draft, you know, what do you think of this mid round, third round guy? I don't really know, right? I at best saw, you know, the Georgia play twice, you know, two or three times, and I'm not sitting there watching every little thing of what the middle linebacker does for Georgia or the, the left tackle in this case with Andrew Thomas did for Georgia or the right tackle for Georgia, Wilson, who's also a good prospect. So when it comes down to it, a month or two before the month or so before the draft, you start making calls. You start talking to people, even further out before the combine, you do some of it too. Trainer, people who train them, people who uh, worked with them, people who coached them, people who scouted them, and you collect as much information as possible. And that's what we're still in the process of doing now. That's why the reality is, at least for me and probably for most of the media, I think we start catching up to what the NFL teams think right before the draft, probably like two, three weeks before the draft, like now. Like, I agree. I'm totally catching up to what the real opinions are of these top offensive tackles and top offensive linemen now at this point. And now we're two weeks before the draft. So now I'm getting a, a real feel of kind of, okay, who is this guy? What does he do? What does he bring to the table? And a range of probably where he's going to get drafted. So that's where we're at at this point. Two weeks away, still collecting more information. I will have my pick for who the Giants take probably like a week before the beginning of the week of the draft. So stay tuned. I'll do my list of most likely Giants targets at number four, which is obviously a lot easier. The more further you go down, the harder it is. Right. If you're pick 15, there's a gazillion scenarios, so many more options. A lot of who you pick is dependent on who picks before you. When you're four, there's less moving parts. So it makes it a little bit easier. So I won't do like a top 10 list of 10 most likely players the Giants pick. I'll probably just do five and I do them in order. So that'll probably be out probably the Monday of draft week. It'll be a fun week and it'll maybe keep you distracted and diverted from the craziness that's going on around us. And let me say this. I hope everybody's safe and healthy. I hope everyone is staying home, only going out if you absolutely need to and minimizing the risk for you and not just you and for everyone around you and for your family. And with that, that's the end of this week's Breaking Big Blue. Remember, tell your friends. We're available on Apple Podcasts, uh, iHeart, uh, the ESPN app. Anywhere there's podcasts, you can find us. Tell your friends. Give us a good rating. Prop us up. Spread the word. Let's go. This is one of the best times of the year, draft year, so we might as well enjoy that part of this Giants talk because we're stuck in our houses. We're getting a little stir crazy. We're crossing our fingers that everyone stays healthy. So, entertainment and distraction is good and that's what i'm trying to do for you here hope i did that with this episode of breaking big blue see you next time